Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, only you can steal my soul. Test this morning, Jesus. Lord, my soul thirsts to be in your presence again this morning. My soul thirsts to magnify your name. Your name is great, and it is greatly to be praised. Father, thank you for the privilege to come into your presence again this morning. Thank you for the privilege to worship you this morning. I magnify you as God Almighty. I magnify you as the one who is faithful, the one who keeps his word. Lord, you have never failed before, and you will never fail. You will never, ever, ever fail. So this morning, I magnify you as the one who is faithful. Scripture says that you watch over your word so that you will perform them. It says that you have exalted your words even above your own name. Lord, I magnify you as the one that is faithful. Alpha and Omega be glorified. King of kings, Lord of all lords, be glorified this morning in the precious name of Jesus. Lord, as we spend this time in your presence to read our Bibles again this morning, we ask that you will speak to us once again. We ask, Lord, that you will grant us wisdom and understanding and cause your name to be glorified once more. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, let me say a big welcome to everyone joining in to devotion this morning. I am Morphe Eyenike. We continue reading our Bibles, the New Testament. A big thank you to everyone joining in again this morning. Yesterday, we stopped on Hebrews chapter 6, and today we will take Hebrews 7, 8, and 9, and stop somewhere on Hebrews chapter 10, leaving us tomorrow to finish uh, from 10 to Hebrews chapter 13. So we see that the writer of Hebrews, most likely Apollos, has been presenting Jesus as the Son of God. Jesus as greater than any angel. Jesus greater than Moses, greater than Joshua, who could not give them rest. Jesus greater than even Aaron, the first high priest that they had. And now, okay, so we said... One of the things the writer said was that Jesus was a priest in the order. And he quoted right from the psalm, Psalm 1110. Jesus was a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Many of the Jews would know who Melchizedek is. And he builds on this from, from, from Hebrews chapter 7. Thank you this morning. Please flip to Hebrews chapter 7 and let's read together. It says, this Melchizedek was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God of God Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. He blessed Abraham, the father of faith, the father you will call of the nation of Israel. 
he blessed him. He says, then Abraham took a tent that if Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek, then he's greater than Abraham. That's where, where, the, where Apollos is going to. He says, then Abraham took a tithe of all he had captured in battle and gave it to Melchizedek. The name Melchizedek means king of justice and king of Salem means king of peace. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. So many say that Melchizedek was a type of Christ in the Old Testament. No wonder, no wonder Jesus told them in the book of John that Abraham saw my days. Eh? So you have to, you can interpret that in two ways. Either Abraham encountered Melchizedek, is it an Abraham rejoiced? Or Abraham was looking forward to the day when the Messiah would 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 manifest himself. But this they told him, You are you are 50 years old. How can you be saying that? Um, you are older than Abraham, or you saw you saw Abraham, okay? But I think Jesus was likely referring to this, resembling the Son of God. He says, consider then how great this Melchizedek was. Even Abraham, the great patriarch of Israel, recognized this by giving him a tenth of what he had taken in battle. Now, the law of Moses required that the priest remember that the law of moses does not bind abraham because there was no law by the time abraham was given his own tithe his titan was under the priesthood of melchizedek eventually of course moses stepped forward and then we will have the priesthood under the, the levites the levitical priesthood and of course you then talk about crisis or Jesus's priesthood. It says now the law of Moses required that the priests who are descendants of Levi must collect a tithe from the rest of the people of Israel who are also descendants of Abraham. But Melchizedek, who was not a descendant of Levi, collected a tithe from Abraham. And Melchizedek placed a blessing, he placed a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promise of God. Okay? He placed a blessing on Abraham not to give Abraham the promise. No, Abraham already had the promise. But he placed the blessing on him who should have been, because of course he would tell us that Abraham was carrying Levi in his, in his loins, in, in a sense. Because he was carrying Isaac, and Isaac was carrying Jacob and Esau, and they were carrying Levi, if you want to use it like that. It says, um, a blessing upon Abraham, the one who had already received the promise of God. It says, and without question, the person who has the power to give a blessing is greater than the one who is blessed. The priests who collect tithes are men who die. So Melchizedek is greater than they are because we are told that he lives on. In addition, we might, say, we might even say that these Levites 
the ones who collect the tithe paid a tithe to Melchizedek when their ancestor Abraham paid a tithe to him. When Abraham was giving a tithe to him, it meant everything under the Levitical priesthood, Moses and every one of them under the nation of Israel, they were paying tithe to him. Say for although, verse 10, Levi wasn't born yet, the seed from which he came was in Abraham's body, Isaac, when Melchizedek collected the tithe from him. So verse 11 says, So if the priesthood of Levi, on which the law was based, could have achieved the perfection God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron? So you see two priesthood here. The priesthood of, Levi, of, of, of the Levite or the Levitical priesthood and then you have the priesthood of Melchizedek. So the priesthood of Levi pays tithe, you know, to or gives a tent to the priesthood of Melchizedek. And he's building something. He's going somewhere. If Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek, then everything under the Levitical priesthood also should submit to him. He said, with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron. And if the priesthood is changed, if the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed to permit it. If most people just accept verse 12, they will not be fighting over tithe. Because there is no tithing in the order of Levi. It has expired when Jesus appeared. The priesthood has changed. The question to ask yourself is to read the book of Acts of the Apostles. What kind of tithing, what kind of giving did they do when Jesus was around? That's the question. Is it? And if the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed to permit it. For the priest we are talking about belongs to a different tribe whose members have never served at the altar as priests. What I mean is, our Lord came from the tribe of Judah and Moses never mentioned priests coming from that tribe. So he, now he will connect Jesus and Melchizedek. Now, this change has been made very clear since a different priest who is like Melchizedek has appeared. Jesus became a priest. So that's the priesthood of Christ. Jesus became a priest not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. And the psalmist pointed this out when he prophesied, You are a priest forever. Psalm 110, You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 4, 110, verse 4. Verse 18 says, Yes, the old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. For the Lord never made anything perfect. Did you hear that? It never makes anything perfect. But now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. This new system was established with a solemn oath. Aaron's descendants became priests without such an oath. This new system, Christ's new system, was established with an oath when God said 
to Christ, you are my son in whom I am well pleased. With an oath. He said, but there was an oath regarding Jesus. For God said to him, the Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever. God was swearing. Eh? Psalm 110 again, verse 4. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He says, because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and for all to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. That is the purpose of the priesthood. They are human beings. They will die. Okay? And then somebody will even need to intercede for them. But because Jesus lives forever, he intercedes with God on our behalf. 26. He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sins. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath and his son has been made the perfect high priest forever. Jesus is the perfect high priest forever. Hallelujah. All right, Hebrews chapter 8, Christ is our high priest. Here is the main point. We have a high priest who sat in the place of honor beside the throne of the majestic God. You have a high priest. I have a high priest. His name is Jesus. He says there he ministers in the heavenly tabernacle, the true place of worship that was built by the Lord and not by human hands. And since every high priest is required to offer gifts and sacrifices, our high priest must make an offering too. If he were here on earth, he would not even be a priest, since there already are priests who offer the gifts required by the law. Since they serve in a system of worship that is only a copy, a shadow of the real one in heaven. For when God was getting ready, for when Moses was getting ready to build the tabernacle, God gave him this warning. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you here on the mountain. Exodus chapter 25 verse 40. Exodus chapter 26 verse 30. Be sure that you make everything according to the pattern I have shown you. So God was showing Moses something. Where was Moses seeing? He was seeing the tabernacle in heaven. He says, but now Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God based on better promises. 7. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a, for, for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, he said, the day is coming. So you see, 
that there was a problem with the first covenant and there was also a problem with the people. It is if the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. See, but when God found fault with the people, the covenant who had the faults, and I will tell you the faults, he says, he said, because they had to be offering blood regularly, okay, Jesus was once and for all. That was the fault in the old covenant. He says, he said, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with, with I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, "You should know the Lord." For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already. And I will forgive their, iniqu- their, sin- their wickedness. And I will never again remember their sins. Okay, You can find this in the book of Jeremiah. Okay, Apollos was just quoting the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31, from verse 31 to 34. God says, and I will forgive their wickedness. And I will never again remember their, their sins. So when God speaks of a new covenant... It means he has made the first one obsolete. It is now out of date and we, we, soon, we soon disappear. The first covenant, the one you are trying to follow the law, it is now obsolete. Thou shall not do this one. Thou shall not do this one. Thou shall not do this one. It is now obsolete. Let's move on to Hebrews chapter 9. Old rules about worship. That first covenant between God and Israel had regulations for worship and a place of worship here on earth. There were two rooms in that tabernacle. In the first room were a lampstand, a table, and a sacred loaves of loaf, loaf, and, and sacred loaves of bread on the table. This room was called the holy place. Then there were there was a curtain, and behind the curtain was a, was a second room called the most holy place. In that room were a were a golden incense altar and a wooden chest called the Ark of the Covenant, which was covered with gold on all sides. Inside the Ark were a good jar containing manna, Aaron's staff that sprouted leaves, and the stone tablet of the covenant. Okay, You can't find God inside that place because it does not dwell inside any tabernacle. Okay? So, it tells you all the things you can find there. It says, and the stone tablets of the covenant. Verse 5, above the Ark were the cherubims of divine glory, whose wings stretch out over the axe over the axe cover the place of atonement but we cannot explain these things in details now you can even read about them in 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 as moses built the tabernacle when these things were all in place the priests regularly entered the first room as they performed their reg- religious duties okay regularly they enter but only the high priest ever entered the most holy place eh the high priest enters the most holy place and usually it is once a year. He says entered the most holy place and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people and for, and for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. By this regulation, the 
Holy Spirit revealed that the entrance to the most holy place was not freely opened as long as the tabernacle and the system it represents were still in use. So when that veil was torn from top to bottom that day when Jesus, is, when Jesus died, it was telling us eh, that the tabernacle and its system had ended. Yes, because no one could enter that place. When he tore it open, it was saying, everybody is free to come in. Nine, this is an illustration pointing to the present time for the gift and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the conscience of the people who will bring them. For that old system deals only with food. You see the weaknesses of that old system? It deals only with it, it, First of all, it cannot clear the consciences of the people who bring them. Secondly, it deals only with food and drinks and various cleansing ceremonies. Ceremonies, physical regulation that were in effect only until a better system could be established. The better system has already come. It's Christ. So Christ is the perfect sacrifice. So Christ has now become the high priest over over all the good things that has come he has entered that greater more perfect tabernacle in heaven which was made which was which was not made by human hands and it's not part of of this great created world when with his own blood not the blood of goats and calves he entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever Jesus secured our redemption forever. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of an ephah could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurities. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sin, from, from sinful deeds, so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins jesus is the perfect sacrifice for our sins 15 that is why he is the one who mediates a new covenant between god and people so that all who are who are called can receive the eternal inheritance god has promised them for christ died to set them free from the penalty of the sins they had committed under that first covenant now when someone leaves a will it is necessary to prove to prove that the person who made it is dead. The will goes into effect only after the person's, the person's death. While the person who made it is still alive, the will cannot be put into effect. That is why even the first covenant was put into effect with the blood of, with the blood of an animal. The animal had to die first. For after Moses had read each of God's covenant to all the people, who took, he took the, the blood of calves and goats along with water and sprinkled both the book of, the, of God's law and all the people using Aesop branches and scarlet wool. Then he said, This blood confirms the covenant God has made with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled blood on the tabernacle and on everything used for worship. In fact, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And that was why Jesus had to shed his own blood. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That is why the tabernacle and everything in it, which were copies of things in heaven, had to be purified by the blood of animals. But the real things in heaven had to be purified with, the far, better, with far better sacrifices than the blood of animals. 
For Christ did not enter into a holy place made with human hands, which was only a copy of the true one in heaven. He entered into heaven itself to appear now before God on our behalf. And he did not enter heaven to offer himself again and again, like the high priest here on earth who entered the most holy place year after year with the blood of an animal. If that had been necessary, Christ would have had to die again and again. But he didn't need to. He says he would have needed to die again and again ever since the world began. But now, once for all time, he has appeared at the end of the age to remove sin by his own death as a, as, as a sacrifice. And just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered, Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for him. I don't know for, about you, but I am eagerly waiting for him. Hallelujah. Let's re read a few verses in, in Hebrews chapter 10. Just a few verses and then uh, we will stop for today. This one is Christ's sacrifice once for all time. The old system under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifice under that system were repeated again and again year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshippers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, these sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. They didn't realize it all, but every year that they were coming, it was reminding them that they were sinners. Hmm? Verse 4, for if, if for it, it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why when Christ came into the world, he said, You did not want animal sacrifice or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offering or other offerings for sins. Then I said, Look, I have come to do your will, O God. As it is written about me in the scripture, Jesus was the one, the Messiah was the one declaring this. Psalm 40 verse 6 to 8, I have come to do your will, O God. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for, for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they are required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will. He cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. God has cancelled the first covenant in order to put the second one into effect. It says, for God, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the blood of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. God's will was, was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. I want us to say thank you, Jesus, this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. Once for all time, you have made us holy. Lord, we thank you. 
Father, we say thank you. Thank you because we can come this morning by the blood of Jesus. Lord, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Enjoy your day.